You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. Entrusted. I just really like that graphic. Every time they bring it up, it's like, I really like that whole mosaic action that has nothing to do with anything. I just like it. Um, So today we're going to be talking about being entrusted, how God entrusts relationships to us. So I know there are people that are, this is a pop culture thing, so if I'm going to offend you, let's just go ahead and get it out front, Um, that uh, they're like friends people, the show friends, and there are others of us that are like Seinfeld people, and uh, my house is a Seinfeld house, and so I don't need to take all those little tests to figure out which character I would be. I am very aware I am George Costanza. (laughs) Idiot. I mean, there are times that the things that I will say and do, and it's like, are you kidding? So yeah, I've always, I've always identified as George. And then um, a more uh, current show, it's also not on anymore, but we watch it every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night that it's on Comedy Central or whatever, is uh, Modern Family. I am Cam. <laughs> I'm just over. You know, just too much, too many feelings, too just, I am. And that's okay. Um, I'm not going to tell you who Reese is on that show, because I didn't ask permission. <laughs> but you go ahead. You go ahead and ask him. It's a good time. But these, in both these things, both these shows, you know, relationships are central. Everything that happens is based on, on a relationship. So we're going to talk a little bit about relationships this morning. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you lay out the most perfect relationship. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you draw us to yourself. Come, Holy Spirit, do your good work. In your name we pray, amen. So every relationship we encounter needs some basic tools to be meaningful. And there's tons of tools, and there's tons of different kinds of relationships, and so I'm going to keep it kind of broad. And the four that I want to touch on, the four kind of tools that I think we need to make sure are present for relationships to be meaningful are kindness, forgiveness, understanding, and discernment. Um, If we look to the Bible for relationship guidance, we're given lots of information that may seem contradictory. One scripture says, don't hang around with foolish people. Another one says, forgive everybody all the time. Yet another one says, don't give away your best self because somebody's going to trash it. And yet another says, consider others better than yourselves. And don't think I'd made those up because that's Proverbs 13, 20, Matthew 7, 6, Philippians 2, 3, and Ephesians 4, 32. (sighs) All that sounds pretty confusing and contradictory to me. It's not. Because here's here's the thing. The Bible, if we believe in Scripture, it is living and it is breathing. That means it's not static. And that means it recognizes that we as human beings in our relationships have different phases. There's different relationships need different advice. We need different guidance. Every relationship is not, is not the same. Um, it acknowledges the fact that human relationships are difficult. They're wonderful. They're terrible. And they're beautiful. And that can be just one that you have. Um, Phil Strout uh, was a guy who was, uh, he was our director, national director for the Vineyard for 10 years. And he and his wife, Jan, are a great friend to this church. And they've come and spoken here several times. And they had a beautiful thing that they would say. It was like, think about relationships in the shape of a cross. This 
with God is marvelous. This with people is messy. And that's true. Some relationships are meant to be for just a certain time in our lives. Others are meant to be a lifetime. And I'm talking about all kinds of relationships. Parents, friends, spouses, neighbors, um, the customer service representative at Verizon. You know, all these people. Because to me, a relationship can be just an, an, an engagement. And I don't mean the kind that you do when you swipe right. Okay? not talking about that. To be entrusted means a couple different things. You know, and uh, Reese and Roger have already talked about how we're entrusted with possessions. We're entrusted with, um, with wealth, with our money. Uh, we're entrusted with time. We are entrusted with relationships. And to be entrusted with something has a couple different meanings. Um, we've got to protect that thing, and we've got to be responsible for that thing. I want you to imagine something that's priceless and delicate and it's being handed to you or to us. Um, those are relationships. Remember that every person is created in the image of God. Everyone. So kindness, forgiveness, and understanding, those are things every single one of us long for. Ephesians 4.2 really just sums up everything that I would, if this is, it's, I guess it's kind of bad to have the takeaway at the front part, but um, Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. That's the NIV. And the message puts it this way, make a clean break from all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and as thoroughly as Christ forgave you. That's a tall order. Man, everybody got quiet. <laughs> Because that's hard. That's hard. This is so much more than just being a nice person. C.S. Lewis uh, puts it this way. He says, it's not like paint that you just put on the surface. This life is a stain that seeps down within us, deep in our hearts, soaks right through. So let me ask you, um, if we're going to let this stain kind of seep in, We've got to be open to how the Holy Spirit is going to bring kindness, forgiveness, understanding, and discernment to us as we receive it and as we extend it. Um, let me ask you something. Who wants to be happy and healthy? Yay! Okay. Um, well, it's a scriptural mandate, desire. Third John 2, 2, dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Um, do you know that one of the greatest contributors, if not the greatest contributor to keeping people happy and healthy is good relationships? I find that rather interesting, um, especially as George and Cam. It's very interesting. Um, there's, uh, it was an article, it was the Saturday essay last week in last week's Wall Street Journal, and it was on relationships, and I'm going to read you about a paragraph from that because it's just, I couldn't 
synthesize it any better than just than what it says. This is uh, regarding the Harvard study of adult development, and it has been going on for 85 years and continues to go on. Um, they, they began with a group of 724 men and have followed them and their 1,300 male and female descendants over three generations, asking thousands of questions and taking hundreds of measurements so they can find out what make, makes people really healthy and really happy. Through the years, through all the years of this of studying these lives, one crucial factor stands out for the consistency and power of the ties to physical health, mental health, and longevity. Contrary to what people might think, it's not career achievement, exercise, or healthy diet. Don't get us wrong. These things matter. But one thing continuously demonstrates its broad, enduring importance, good relationships. In fact, those close personal connections are significant enough that if we had to take all 85 years of the Harvard study and boil it down to one single uh, one single principle for living, one life investment that is supported by similar findings across a variety of studies, it would be this. Good relationships keep us healthier and happier, period. If we want to make one decision to ensure your own health and happiness, it should be to cultivate warm relationships of all kinds. Relationships of all kinds. This isn't just romantic, this isn't just parental, all kinds. And Jesus was a true example. Um, he had relationships with the rich. He had relationships with the poor, the educated, the uneducated, the outcast, the cowardly, the overbearing, the loving, the kind, the betrayers. And to every one of those relationships, he brought forgiveness. He brought kindness. He brought understanding to every one of them. So I just want to highlight like a few few times that Jesus did this. The first one is um, his friendship with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Um, that is a beautiful, heart-wrenching story. It's not like it's a long chapter. It's just, just a little bit. I'd encourage you to go back and to go and read when, uh, when he was raised from the dead because it shows you so many when he raised Lazarus from the dead because it brings out so many components of relationship. So it, in the beginning, it talks about how, you know, he, it says Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Now, this was a sibling group, and I'm sure they had their own funky dynamic. You know, we already saw the Mary and the Martha thing. Remember, she was the one doing all the work, and Mary was like sitting around and loving Jesus. So I'm sure they had lots of other things going on. But he loved them, and he waited on purpose for Lazarus to die. That's harsh, man. But he knew the end goal. And when he did get there, there was lots of crying. Martha came charging out, if you had just been here. You ever had a friend do that to you? If you had just been here, then this would not have happened. And instead of Jesus saying, you stupid idiot, you know, instead of him like, or, you know, getting all defensive, he just asked her, he just, he cried. And then he said, do you believe in the resurrection? And he asked her a couple questions, and she's like, yes, yes, I do. And I know that one day he goes, nah, do you believe? And Mary was so put out, she didn't even come out. So then they finally had to get her, and she comes out, and it's the same thing. Poor Jesus. <laughs> Are you, if you had just been here, this wouldn't have happened. Because you got to understand, their entire life was upended. They weren't entrepreneurial women. 
I mean, he was their source. Lazarus was their source of income, their source of stability, their source. This wasn't just like, oh, I'm sad because I'm going to miss my relative. This was their whole world. And Jesus could have stopped it, but he didn't, or so they thought. So again, he encountered, he absorbed that disappointment from them. I mean, they were clearly, (laughs) you did not meet my expectation. Do we ever do that? You did not meet my expectation, and therefore I will hold you hostage. And Jesus, they were trying to hold him hostage, but um, he, again, he wept with them. He asked them a couple of questions, and then he went to the tomb, and he said, show me where he is. And they're like, no, it's going to smell. Again, now it's like, fix it. No, don't fix it. So, but then when he called him forth and he came out, I mean, everything changed. But if you read those few verses, there are so many interpersonal, rela- interpersonal activities that happen that we encounter on the daily. We hold people hostage because they don't meet our expectations. People hold us hostage because we don't meet their expectations. Kindness, forgiveness, understanding. Um, Another really great story that I love or great interaction because Jesus, well, actually, I'm skipping. I need to do the one that I don't really love. It's kind of odd to me, but I think it's important because Jesus also experienced family problems. There is a, you know, I love Mary. I'm not named after her. And in fact, when people call me that, sometimes I'm feeling really smarty pants. I'll go, I'm not the mother of our Lord. My name is Mary Margaret. It's the whole thing. But you know, she wasn't, I mean, and I love how she like championed Jesus. Yeah, turn the water into one or do whatever you got to do. But then there was a time when Mary and her other children thought Jesus had just gone off on the deep end. This is just too much. And he was in a house with lots of people and they're like, hey, your mom and your brothers want you out there because they were going to take him back. It's like, oh, this is is too much. And do you know what Jesus said? He said, the people in this house, those, that's my mother, those are my siblings. That's not a good Thanksgiving day, okay? So Jesus had difficult relationships as well, yet he always brought, he brought understanding to that. I'm sure eventually he brought some, he brought some forgiveness as well. This is the one that I really, I really like is um, when he called Matthew, whose name is also Levi, because this is a tricky one. Matthew was Jewish, but Matthew worked for the Roman government, and the Roman government was evil incarnate, and he was a tax collector. And so it's not only had he um, rejected his ethnicity, his, his people, He had rejected his religion, his belief system. He rejected all of it. For what? Money, status, to stay safe. If I'm collecting money for them, then they're not going to harm me. Not Not a great guy, okay? Jesus, however, and this goes back to everyone is created in the image of God. As Jesus was walking by, he's like, you, be in my group, be on my team. Matthew immediately left, and that night threw a rager of ragers, okay, threw a huge party, 
and invited other sinners. Jesus extended enormous forgiveness, enormous kindness, and enormous understanding. When he looked at Matthew, instead of seeing the betrayer, he saw this broken person who just needed to be loved and encouraged. He also had to deal with mercurial people like Peter. Yes, you're the rock. Boo, I don't know you. Yes, I love you and I'll feed your sheep. I mean, it's just, Peter's just all over. And yet Jesus was in a, Jesus is the constant in his relationship. Jesus is the constant. Um, Jesus experienced relationships that just didn't work out. Judas. I mean, that was one of his best friends. And he, well, you know what he did. He, he had a huge part in, in Jesus' death. Jesus also had boundaries. And I want you to think about it. Lots of times when we hear the word disciples, we just think of the 12, but that's not what it was. He had the 72, he had the 12, and he had the three. Nowhere does it say that we're supposed to give everybody an all-access pass. Discernment. Good relationships bring life. And not every relationship is one that we're meant to be in. We have to use discernment and we have to be wise. Sometimes it's very clear that a relationship isn't healthy and it won't become healthy. Jesus was never going to be best friends with the Pharisees as a whole. (laughs) Um, A couple of them did follow him, but for the most part, it was the epitome of a toxic situation. And you know, what's funny to me is on paper, it should have worked because they had the same goal. They both loved God. However, the Pharisees loved their system more than they loved the creator of the system. There are relationships that look good on paper, but they aren't meant to be. Um, I went through years of whenever I would come up against a wall in a relationship, I would immediately think, oh, it's something in me. I must have this, you know, shortcoming. I must not. And I'm not saying that I didn't in some of them, but in a lot of them, it was really the Holy Spirit going, don't do this. This is not because those relationships ended up in a lot of, with a lot of hurt and a lot of disappointment. Um, a friend of mine and I were talking a couple weeks ago, and um, she made the comment. She said, you have to get to the point where when a door is closed, that that means God's protecting you from something. And I think that's true with relationships as well. Um, well, I'm going to cry. I just hate this. Anyway, I've got all my things. Remember last time I spoke, I started crying, and like Shane brought me tissues, and Bill brought me water. I thought I was all prepared. A little self-sufficiency today. Um, but, you know, losing a friendship is difficult. I don't care if you're five years old and nobody's playing with you on the playground. I hate being a feelings person. <laughs> um, or if it's, you're, you know, you're 58 and somebody just decides, nah, you're not in their, you're not in their group anymore. That's a difficult thing. And uh, we had some friends. They were friends of our entire family. And um, we thought everything was too long just fine. But apparently it wasn't. And 
I mean, these are people that we spent lots of meaningful milestones with. Um, and so when the, I still don't know, has anybody ever broke up with you and you don't know why? <laughs> That's kind of where I am. Um, but it's, I mean, it's fine. But what I did do when I had that big pile of hurt, because when that happens to us, when things don't work out, you've got this big pile of hurt. And so then, all of a sudden, the ball's in your court. What are you going to do with it? What was I going to do with it? Well, I'm a, uh, I'm a coach, a life coach. I used to always make fun of that, and God's paying me back. Um, so I do that, um, and then I, I have a coach as well. And so I spent lots of my coach hours getting coached through this thing. I have a spiritual director, and I spent a lot of my spiritual director hours getting directed through this thing because I wanted, I was just hurt. And so what do you do with that? If we don't forgive, then we're held captive. But lots of times we think that forgiveness is saying, that's okay. And it was, it's still not okay. However, and I'm not going to go through all my coaching notes and all my spiritual direction notes with you, <laughs> but giving it to Jesus. I mean, and sometimes I have to physically um, picture myself like holding that relationship like if it was an object and just giving it to him. Because it's bigger than me. It's I, um, I told one of our children whose initials are Emma Catherine. <laughs> One time I said, okay, you know, she, you remember the Budweiser commercial with the Clydesdales? You didn't know where I was going with that, did you? Um, and how the Clydesdales are just these powerful, and I told her, I said, your emotions are like that, but it's not just her emotions. It's Charlotte's emotions. It's Lily's. It's Reese's. It's mine. <laughs> it's all of them. So, Scripture tells us to bring every thought into subjection to Jesus and to think on things that are good and pure and lovely and good report, kindness, forgiveness, understanding. We're not going to always know the answer. Everything is not going to always be put in a nice little box with a bow on top. I may never know why this particular family decided that they didn't want to be our friends anymore or my friend. You know, I may never know that, but I can think about them and not fall apart and not have that little clinch in my stomach. Why? Not because I'm a strong person, because I'm not. I'm Cam and George, remember? Keep going back to that. But it's because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is available to each and every one of us. What we can bring to the relationship, what we do bring to every relationship is us. We've got to be self-aware. And there's some questions that I think it's good for us to ask, ask ourselves. Why does this person make me upset every time I'm with them? Or why do I look so forward to seeing this person? Why do I end up with a to-do list after every conversation with this person? What about this is life-giving? What about this is sucking the very life out of every part of me? What am I doing that makes this person upset? What's the point of toxicity? We can take responsibility for our side of the relationship. Then the next thing I think we need to ask ourselves is, what does God want from this relationship? 
What does God want it to be? Um, I have said this for a long time, and the longer I live, the more I think it's true. Everybody is in your life to make you more like Jesus. So let's think about who is Jesus. Well, Jesus knew when to speak. Jesus knew when to be quiet. Jesus knew when to put bullies in their place. Jesus knew when to help somebody up. He knew when to let them be. And if you just think about it, just do a quick survey of the people in your life. Jesus can use them. I know he does in my life. Because, I, you know, several of us on the, uh, I think everybody on the teaching team, we refer to the Enneagram and our number, and I'm a two. And uh, a two wants to help everybody, just get in there and fix it, and if you just do this. I told somebody the other day, I was like, you know, I realized that I see things like I could just make everybody do everything more efficiently, but nobody cares. <laughs> so I'm just going to hold that. <laughs> but knowing that... Um, you know, my helping can also be, a, be problematic. What am I just learning how to... And my children have taught me an enormous amount, um, whether they wanted to or meant to. or <laughs> They've taught me to listen better and not to just run in and charge ahead and fix it. Because, you know, as a parent, you just want to stake that flag and just take no prisoners. You know, this is my pretend machine gun fighting people that would hurt my children. But who are we? Knowing who we are, knowing what our weaknesses are, because in our weakness, Christ is strong. So here's our challenge. Let's, um, let's just look at all of our relationships. Let's hold them up to the Father, and let's just ask him, what do you want this to be? Make this holy. Make this sacred. Help me to hold on to what I should hold on to and help me to release what I need to release.